Better in Bucharest is a podcast about life experiences, leadership lessons, faith and hope. This podcast will show you that you don't have to compromise your values to achieve happiness. Today's podcast is with a friend of mine, Paul Gastineau. He's a retired vice president regulatory relations at Centerpoint Energy. Paul worked for Centerpoint Energy and its predecessors' companies for over 40 years. During that time, Paul held different positions in engineering, planning and finances. Paul's last position was Vice President of Regulatory Relations. He was responsible for relations with uh, regulators in seven different jurisdictions. Centerpoint Energy is a Fortune 500 company that delivers electricity and natural gas in various states. Paul has been married to Debbie for 42 years. They have two sons uh, who are both married and each have two daughters for a total of four granddaughters. Paul, welcome. It's an honor to have you today with us. Oh, thank you. We start every episode with a personal question. And the question is, uh, what was it like around your family dinner table when you were a kid? When I was a kid, we had a family dinner almost every evening. You know, we'd talk about what happened during each of our days. I remember, you know, what happened at my school. You know, my dad would talk about what happened at work. My mother uh, took care of uh, us and took care of the house. And she's the one that always uh, prepared dinner. And it, it was a great experience. And uh, what did you learn from your mom, from your dad? Because they lived in specific time with, in hard conditions. What, what did you learn from them? My parents both were born near the end of what was known as the Depression in uh, the United States. And they really did not grow up in difficult conditions. Now, all four of my grandparents did grow up in difficult conditions. And I actually think if I can start with my grandparents, that's a little bit more revealing. Both of my grandfathers, they did not know each other as until my parents got married, but both of them had very similar upbringings. Both of them were the youngest of five children. Both of them had had an older brother or sister that died in youth. Both of their mothers died when they were young. My dad's dad, his mother died when he was seventh grade. My mother's dad's mother died when he was in the fourth grade. Both of them had to drop out of school and work at home on the farm and were largely raised by their older brothers and sisters. Both of them then went through the Depression and came out on the other side of it actually fairly well off economically. Both of them would tell you that the most important thing was to learn from experience, hard work. But one common message that both of them told me over and over again was to do what I was happy doing in terms of a career. They said, if you like what you're doing, you'll never work because it will be fun. And find something you like to do and don't worry about something that, uh, you know, provide some large economic return. And so my parents were both byproducts of this. And both of them had been brought up 
the, to find what you like to do. And my dad, from a very early age, encouraged me to try to do well at school, but more importantly, find what you like to do. My dad was an engineer. He was an electrical engineer. I wound up going to engineering school, wound up becoming an industrial engineer. My dad had a love for math that he conveyed to me. I used it in a little different way than he did, not a whole lot. But in terms of life lessons for a career, that's what I learned from them. They both also took me to church from virtually the day I was born and both encouraged me to find my faith in God and taught me from a very early age. That also was extremely important. I have probably come to learn that was even more important than what they taught me. Nice lessons that you learned from your uh, parents and your grandparents. And I want to go back to the story you shared about your grandparents. And you said that both of them navigate that uh, dark time in history, the Great Depression. Can you share Can you explain more what was life in those years? So, yeah. So there were many people in the United States that did not have enough food to eat. They had food lines where people would uh, uh, wait in line to get food. This is the time when our country started to tax people. This is the time when our country started Social Security. This is the time when uh, the government really stepped in and started to uh, do things. And my dad's grandfather wound up being a cattle broker. He had grown up on a farm. He understood cows very, very well. And As he got older and older, he learned he could pick out a cow from a long way away and understand with a very critical eye whether it would be good for meat or not. And he wound up essentially selling that service, and he would buy cows for very, very uh, good steak restaurants and all over the U.S. And he would uh, uh, go to auctions. And I can remember going to an auction with him one time in Dalhart, Texas, which is in the far, far, far north, north, northwest, west part of Texas in the middle of nowhere. And he bought 800 cows. And then these cows were put on a train that went back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where we lived at the time. And there were other people in Tulsa who had bought cows too. And he stood there at the train and as they came off the other end, that one's mine, that one's his, that one's mine, that one's his. He could, to me, cows all looked alike, but he had this amazing eye that he knew which ones were his and which ones were somebody else's. My other grandfather was a little slightly different. He learned to drive, which not everybody could do at the time. And he went to Detroit, Michigan, which at the time was one of the very largest cities in the U.S. Of course, at the time, the, the largest city in the world where they manufactured cars. And he went to work as a taxi cab driver. And he saved as much of his money as he could and bought a taxi cab, bought one 
and started his own. And then when he made money, he saved it and he bought another one. And I think he wound up owning up to 12 taxi cabs. And he retired at the age of 41 and lived until he was 86. He didn't particularly like the large city, and so he moved back to uh, to Oklahoma. But he owned that company, and the money from that company continued to provide uh, you know income for him. That's uh, two stories, uh, very very inspirational. So now, when we go back to our topic today, and uh, the topic is uh, managing finances, please share what are some of your thoughts. On this topic for young people as they prepare to start their career? I think I would take both grandfathers and, and say that their principles were excellent. But let me, Dave Ramsey, who is a Uh, has a talk radio show in the United States that encourages people on financial issues, has a statement that I think is very appropriate. And that is, you need to live like no one else so you can later live like no one else. And what he means by that is when you're younger, when you're starting your career, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Everybody else goes and buys a new car fancy clothes, the latest iPhone or whatever it is, you only buy what you have to have. You don't borrow money and you save as much as you can. We'll talk a little bit more about developing a plan for that. Your friends and coworkers are going to buy more stuff. They are going to borrow stuff and it's going to be tempting to do the same thing. Don't fall into that temptation. But later, if you've saved and you don't go into debt later in life, you're going to be on the other side of that and you're going to live like nobody else because you're not going to have near as much stress when things like COVID come and economic times are hard. If you don't owe other people money, you're in a much better place. What are some other advices for managing finances? The best thing to do is make a budget or a plan. So when you understand what your income is, you take and you write down how you're going to use that money. And there are really three ways to use that money. And our society says you spend it, you save it, and then you give or are generous with what's left. And I'm going to suggest that we've got it backwards, that you first of all figure out how you want to be generous and help others with it. That second of all, you set aside some to save and that what's left over, you make a plan about how you're going to spend it. And that plan would include food, clothes, house, apartment, transportation, whatever it is. And you know that plan. Now, that sounds actually very restrictive, like, oh, well, then I've made it. Actually, the experience is it's quite the opposite. Because when you've made that plan and you've set aside a certain amount for whether it be entertainment or food or whatever, you spend it with no guilt because you decided ahead of time, this is how I'm going to spend that money. And you know what that plan is. And so you do it with a greater deal of comfort. You mentioned uh, generosity and we should start with that. Why? I have to go to my faith here. And in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, 
specifically in uh, 6, chapter uh, verse 21, Jesus says that where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. And if you don't follow Jesus, that's still a true statement. Let's think about that a minute. If you buy new clothes, your heart will tend to get excited about those clothes. If you buy a car, your heart will get excited about that car. If you plan a trip, your heart will go there. If somebody comes to you that is unfortunate, and if I can give you an example, in Magnolia, Texas, where I live, yesterday, I got a call from our church. There's a family that's very unfortunate. They don't go to our church, but they have four children who all have lice in their hair. It's very expensive to get lice out of their hair. And so I and some people in my Bible group are going to pay for these people to get lice out of their hair. Our heart has now gone towards this family, and it's actually much more exciting to help this family than it is to go buy something from me. And so Jesus was right. Wherever your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. And so first thing you need to do is where do you want your heart to go? Do you want it to be about you or do you want it to be about somebody else? We talk all the time about it's more fun to give than receive. And this is evidence of that. That's great. But what about the the people who don't have the Christian perspective? Um, what's your advice? Why should they be generous? I, I, I think even if you don't have the Christian perspective, we all grow up that it's more fun to give than receive. There was an author, I do not recall his name, where they did a study of, I think it was three-year-olds, and they put them in a room and they gave them what we call these goldfish, little bowls of goldfish. And these kids were able to eat the goldfish. But then when they let a, uh, a dog or something come in, the kids were actually much happier when they were giving another thing, in this case, a dog, the goldfish. They laughed. They had a whole lot more fun doing that than themselves. And so it is inbred in us from a very early age to be more excited about seeing other people happy than ourselves. And consequently, we find joy in helping others, whether you follow Jesus or not. You also mentioned uh, that uh, part of managing your finances is to save money. What do you mean by saving money? You set aside money. You don't spend it. You set it aside. And you there's two reasons you set money aside. One is for that emergency that happens. Because we all of us are going to have unexpected things. If you have a car, something in the car is going to break. If if you have an apartment, there are, you know furniture is going to break, a light bulb is going to go out, a lamp's not going to work. Your your phone's going to break. You'll lose your phone. You need clothes for a special or some certain occasion with work. Whatever it might be, you don't want to have to borrow. So if you've set aside money for an emergency, then the Second thing to save for is for those large future expenses, whether you one day want to buy a house or you one day want to buy a car. Or in the United States, education is very expensive. You set aside money for an education. Ultimately, 
you set aside money so that you can one day retire because you can't count on the government to provide the same lifestyle for you in, in retirement. And tell me more about investing. When you save money, at least in the United States, there's two things what you can do. You can kind of put it in a bank and earn a, a, an interest rate on it, or you can take more risk and invest it in something. And we tell people that if they're saving the money and not going to need it for five years, they should invest it and take a little bit more risk with it. And that in the United States, a common thing is to invest in stocks of other companies by mutual funds. It also could be buying land that you own. and But it could also be, you know, like my grandfather, buying a taxi cab, uh, buying an, a car that could be used for Uber or something like that. Some kind of future business. Maybe you can cook and you save up the money to buy special, you know, cooking things. Or maybe you have special skills with camera and a photographer and you bought, save up and buy the correct equipment to create a business for you or you have a friend that has a business and they pay you a, uh, a return for that. It's great. So by saving, you put some money for emergencies. I know the rule is maybe to have uh, uh, the amount of money that will allow you for six months to pay everything and to live. And also if you have money and by saving money, maybe you invest in stocks. Maybe you start a business, maybe you invest your money in real estate, something that will produce more money for you. Because when you will retire, you cannot uh, put your trust in the government, actually pay a good, uh, a good uh, uh, pension. Because I'm telling you this because in Romania is this mentality that, you know, the government will provide a pension for me. Yeah, if I can elaborate on that a little bit, the United States, many people have that same mentality. We have what we call social security. And social security will only pay for the most basic expenses in life. And, and there's, there's many people that won't even pay that much. There's many people that just barely is enough to pay for apartment, you know, and food. And the reality is when we get older, we want to be able to have, you know, impact and share our experiences with our children, our grandchildren, and the rest of society. And we want to be generous, too. And we don't want in our old age to just have the minimum, not that we should necessarily strive so that we could be wealthy, but the reality of it is if you want to continue the lifestyle you had before, you need to plan for that and have set aside some for saving. Paul, we are here at the end. What's your final advice for young people when they think of managing finances or if you have a different advice regarding their life, the floor is yours. One thing that I would recommend that's consistent with all these things is when you want something that's not an absolute need, for example, food is a pretty important need, but if you want something, whether it be a new phone, a new car, new clothes, something, write it down, write it on a post-it note, write it on something and hang it in your house or apartment, hang it on your refrigerator and wait one month, just wait one month. And, and lots of times at the end of that month, you're going to find you don't remember why you ever wanted it. And if you still want it at the end of a month, then it may be important. But there are too many things in our society that we want right now. If we stop and just think about it, we really don't want them. And it's a good way to not spend money that you don't need to spend.
Better in Bucharest is a podcast about life experiences, leadership lessons, faith and hope. This podcast will show you that you don't have to compromise your values to achieve happiness. 